Okay, Kristen, which year would you rather live in, 1963 or 1986? You know, if it's 1963, I get to wear all those cute clothes. That's true. I'm just wild about that look. As you know, a lot of my dresses already look like that. That's true. In that movie, yep. I already kind of dress like the female characters in 1963 and The Man from Uncle, which I know is what you're referencing. That's Of course I am. And then 1986. I was alive in 1986. As was I. Yes. And in 1986, I would say... God, the outfit's not quite as cute. Although not you quite might, as cute. You might disagree with me about that because, you know. Depends on what on what subculture you're involved in. Yeah, didn't in you wear like pantyhose on your face and stuff back then? I, did, I, I don't know what that refers eye to. but and you dressed like Sisters of Mercy or whatever. I did, I did, I did. I wish I had put pantyhose on my face. Do you mean like Devo? <laughs> Remember when Devo used to do that with the oranges? They'd put the two oranges in their eye sockets, then put pantyhose in their face? Well, 86, of course, was the year that NWA formed, and they are the... Subject of a new biopic, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, I was there in 86. So Not in Compton, but so I was there. does that mean you're choosing 86 as your time because you were already there and you loved mm, it? I sure did love the 80s. I don't know. I might choose 63 if it were me. Okay, because it's stylish. Because it's more stylish. It's much more stylish. And yeah. Man from Uncle makes it look like much more fun. Oh, yeah, it does. All right. Well, well, we'll sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about both Man from Uncle and Straight Outta Compton, plus a new Hulu series uh, launched by Amy Poehler, Difficult People. All that in a minute. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Okay, Kristen, you want to tell us all about The Man from UNCLE? It's, it's pretty straightforward. We have a thief turned CIA spy played by Henry Cavill. We have Army Hammer, who's playing a KGB agent who he has to team up with. We have Alicia Vikander. She is playing an auto mechanic from East Germany. And all of them are fighting Elizabeth Debicki, who is a very wealthy shipping magnet and not a very good person. All of this takes place in the early 1960s, and it is based on, but not a complete copy of The Man from Uncle, the TV series that was running back in the early 1960s in the U.S. Here's a clip. Our suspicious man, I would say you put something in my drink. It's much easier to trust a drink you fixed yourself. But how do you know I was going to drink the scotch? I didn't. I laced all the drinks. I don't like to leave much to chance, Mr. Solo. So as you said, that's Elizabeth Debicki playing uh, Vittoria Vinciguerra, uh, Italian, uh, Ita- Italian arms, arms dealer criminal consorting with former Nazis. Uh, and she has just poisoned Napoleon Solo, played by Henry Cavill. Um, I'm guessing that you were not familiar uh, with the original show. I, 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 certainly I never was... watched the original show. No. I, I knew that it existed, and I knew it came out of that same era that I Spy and the right. Mod Squad and all of these shows during that era kind of all were very popular. Right. Mid, yeah, mid-60s, mid and uh, the, the, the hook for it was at the height of the Cold War that the Americans and the Russians could team up in some way uh, to fight the real bad guys, which is kind of nice and sweet. It didn't start out that way. Uh, the, Amer- the, the Russian character was added later, um, and audiences mm. liked him so much that they kept him. Um, I think what's kind of cool about this movie is um, it's directed and co-written by Guy Ritchie. Um, mm-hmm. and Madonna's his, ex-husband. Madonna, <laughs> right, Madonna's ex-husband. Um, <laughs> And he co-wrote it with Lionel Wigram. Uh, the two of them worked together on the Sherlock Holmes movies. But this movie is not an update. It's not a twist. There's nothing kind of different about this as compared to the old show. It really is just 
a big screen version of the old show with a bigger budget, better sets, um, you know, uh, nicer costumes, uh, better special effects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But that's kind of what I liked about this movie. It is just a pure throwback to the mid-60s. It looks fantastic. I thought everybody's outfits just look great. Henry Cavill's suits are beautiful. Um, Alicia Vikander's costumes are totally fetching. Uh, The wristwatches look great. The cars look great. The sets are fantastic. And it's so stylishly directed by oh, Guy yeah. Ritchie. I must say, the, the edits are so quick, so snappy. Oh, the Whenever split the, screens, the smash zooms, it's yeah, just it's and, fantastic. And anytime there is a caption, because there are s- several characters many, who yeah, speak many, in foreign languages, yes. the captions just pop onto the screen, yeah. and the way they pop onto the screen, even that is stylish. In this big, huge, kind of uh, blocky, serifed font that has this great kind of throwback, almost Western-style look to it. Um, speaking of Western, the soundtrack of this thing is fantastic. It's this great mix of, like, weird old Italian pop, Ennio Morricone, uh, like flute jazz. I just thought it was so fun. I loved this thing from top to bottom. I had a great time at the Man from Uncle. Can we just talk about something important that you did not touch on once here, which is how is the dialogue, how are the characters interacting with each other, how is the human element of it? And the reason you didn't talk about it is because you know that they suck. <laughs> they're horrible, think... Rafer. They're, yes, they're, they're only supposed to be so fleshed out. These are these are these are cardboard characters. But they're cardboard characters from separate genres from other movies. It feels like the Henry Cavill characters like Inspector Gadget. And it feels like Alicia Vikander. It feels like she's coming from some sort of 1920s silent movie. And then what's going on with Army Hammer's accent? Okay, Army Hammer's accent, not great. I agree. With that Russian accent and it just (laughs) seems like he's some sort of stock character that they took out of like the Die Hard movies. I don't understand what these characters are doing together. I don't understand how they're talking to each other in completely different ways and genres. It just does not seem as though they belong together. I I understand what you're saying. The dialogue could have been punchier. I agree. But I think these characters are supposed to be fun and funny and cheeky and not very deep. And I think it works. I think the actors make it work. And um, I just, I was very happy to see a a non-dark, non-serious spy movie that's not trying to trick me into thinking it's topical or edgy or saying something relevant. It's just a total romp. And I I had a great time. I thought it was a fantastic date. Did you, Mm. were you like actually like, did you actually think it was a bad date? I did. I thought it looked fantastic, but looks aren't enough. I'll you need darned. more. You need more from your date than for it just to look pretty. I'm sorry. I'm shallow. I thought looks were enough. <laughs> you are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. All right, Rafer, let's move on to Straight Outta Compton. This is actually your old stomping ground, sort of. You grew up like 10 miles away from Compton, right? I, I grew up in Long Beach, which is a ways away from, from Compton. You know how L.A. is. You know, 10, 10 miles is uh, is forever. But 10 um, miles still is like right, right there. You know, I, I, if, if I have any, any claim to uh, an inside track on, uh, on the gangster era... Which I don't, uh, but if I if I did, you know, I did go to Long Beach Poly, which was the high school that uh, Snoop Dogg went to later on, and it was you know an inner city school, um, and I did see kind of you know I, I went to school with what I would call sort of aspiring or wannabe or uh, peripheral gangster types, you know, I was not going to school with hardened criminals, obviously, but I you know I did sort of see a little bit of that world, uh, but at any rate, 
Um, Straight Outta Compton is the story of N.W.A., uh, the group that put um, gangster rap on the map, basically, back in 1988 with their first album, Straight Outta Compton. Um, What you have here is basically the story of them going from being, you know, a group of friends in the neighborhood. Uh, Dr. Dre is a DJ. Uh, You know, Ice Cube is just a normal kid who, you know, writes raps in his notebook in high school. Um, Eazy-E is a drug dealer, uh, and that is where they get the money to fund their first album. But they're really just kids in the neighborhood trying to put a group together. They meet Jerry Heller, played by Paul Giamatti, who's this faded but still pretty savvy music manager, kind of a 70s holdover. But he still knows what he's doing, and he's the guy that's going to help turn NWA from a group of, you know, local heroes into a double platinum selling sensation in the late 80s. Here's a clip. Y'all just got a snapshot of how Americans really feel. We gave the people a voice. We gave the people truth. Yeah, but your songs, they glamorize the lifestyle of gangs, guns, drugs. Our art is a reflection of our reality. What you see when you go outside your door? I know what I see. And it ain't glamorous. You get AKs from Russia and cocaine from Colombia. It ain't none of us got a passport, so... (laughs) Might want to check the source. So that's a a newcomer named Jason Mitchell playing Eazy-E. And then, of course, we have uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. playing his own father, Ice Cube. Yes. Uh, which is an amazing turn of events. And I have to say, I really thought uh, the whole cast in this film, uh, especially uh, the NWA guys themselves, are just fantastic. So great. They are amazing. O'Shea Jackson just blew me away. He's Every time great. he was on screen, just I was 100% captivated. Totally. I believed in him. I wanted him to be totally. okay. I wanted him to succeed. Dr. Dre, you're just uh-huh. in awe of, like, you know this guy is brilliant. Yes. You just know he is. I uh-huh. think they did a good job of, you know, making all of them well-rounded and not just mythological sorts of characters. Yeah. Um, This movie is directed by uh, F. Gary Gray, who has done some uh, videos for Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. And I think it's a pretty amazing job what he does here, which is to take a movie about, uh, first of all, five people, five guys in the main NWA crew, um, and then then you add in um, Giamatti as Jerry Heller, and don't forget about uh, Suge Knight. Let's not forget Suge Knight. <laughs> the, the rival rap mogul who comes in and uh, sort of turns things pretty ugly. So you have a lot of people to juggle, a lot of history to cover, um, and it takes it takes the director two and a half hours to cover all this. But I think pretty much all of it's necessary, and I think when the movie is done. You really feel like you have been through the ringer with these guys, and you really feel their triumphs and the splintering of the group, the the almost coming back together, um, the 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 anger they express at each other, the anger they express at the world and at white America. Um, and I, th- I have to say, I think the scenes of police harassment and the kind of standoffs between NWA and the police in this movie. Although maybe it's hammered home a little too frequently, I think it's so timely and such it's such an obvious kind of relevant hook for the movie that you just can't ignore it. The, those scenes really are what make the movie kind of crackle and really make you realize how important that group was, how important it was, what they were saying about the police and the way they were treated and the way that their neighborhood was neglected by America, the way that neighborhoods all across the country were neglected by America. Um, and, and it makes you realize... Are, and still Yeah, it makes you realize that, that, that what they were saying, you know, they could be saying that today. People are saying that today. Um, and I just thought the movie was really great. Yeah, and I, but I want to make something clear to all the listeners out there. This isn't just 
a lesson in race relations. This isn't no. just like eating your broccoli. This movie also just crackles. It, it moves does. at a great pace. It's so fun to watch. You're cheering for these guys. And it's hard not to just love these characters, especially the three main characters. I just wanted everyone to be okay in the movie. Uh-huh. You were actually saying earlier, Rafer, that it reminded you of a war epic in some ways. Yeah, and, I mean, and I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it it does. I mean, you you just you really feel like when when it's done, you know, you do no spoilers, but anyone who is familiar with NWA will know what I'm talking about. But there are survivors and there are casualties uh, in that in that movie, and. Um, you know, and there's trauma, <laughs> and and Lots when it's it. all when it's all done, you really feel like, whoa! And and you've witnessed the birth of something. You've witnessed the birth of the modern rap era of rap as we know it today. Um, and and the debates and the hand wringing and the kind of crisis of conscience I think that America has whenever rap comes to the forefront. Um, you see it all in this movie. Um, and I just thought it was like it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Oh, hands down, it might be actually one of the best biopics I've ever seen. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. Just terrific date. So we agree, great date. Straight out of Compton, fantastic date. All right, well, stay with us because when we come back, we're going to be doing a little bit of movie therapy and sweatpants for the new show, Difficult People. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And Rafer, what's the fun thing on our Facebook page at this very moment? At this very moment, as we speak, we've got the new trailer for Hateful Eight, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. This is the movie that was, uh, the script got leaked and Quentin Tarantino briefly threatened not to make the movie, uh, but he went ahead and did it anyway, and it's coming out Christmas Day. We've got the trailer on there. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Bruce Dern, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, mm. star-packed cast, Western of sorts, it appears yeah, to be. Yeah, it seems like it's a Western. Yeah. Uh, so that comes out Christmas. You can check out the trailer at uh, facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. You can also go to facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast if you want to. Submit a question for movie therapy, and we'll be getting to movie therapy in one second. But first, I'm putting on some stretchy pants. You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Rafer, how's that elastic waistband treating you? Feels good. Good. Like good it stuff. always does. <laughs> What do we got this time for sweatpants, Kristen? We got Amy Poehler's new show. She's the executive producer of a new show on Hulu. It's a scripted show called Difficult People. And this could be the make it or break it moment for Hulu because all the other streaming services seem to have had great successes. And sure. Hulu, I mean, they've tried at least a dozen shows so far. Have any of them caught on? Are any of them household names? No, nothing nothing is really broken for them quite yet. There's nothing equivalent to Orange is the New Black. There's nothing equivalent to Transparent. Or even even Amazon's Marco Polo. Yet, oh God. Which was (laughs) not a hit, but I'm just saying, at least least it made the radar. Uh, And Hulu has not quite done that. Well, by by quite, I mean at all. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) So this show centers on two best friends in New York, one who's ostensibly trying to be a performer, actor, stand-up comic, and the other who's ostensibly a blogger. But they're both just trying to be famous, and both of them are just absolutely snarky to the hundredth degree. They're New Yorkers. Uh, One of them, the female character of the two, she's married to a guy who works in public broadcasting. That sound familiar? Go figure. (laughs) The other, he's gay. He's not quite fabulous. He's more kind of a jerk, and 
In addition to being a terrible comic, he's a terrible waiter. <laughs> Here's a clip. Uh-oh. What? I tweeted something about Blue Ivy earlier, and now the internet's being really mean to me. Unfollow, kill yourself, from Spin Class Addict 91. Oh my God, that's probably the year she was born. What was the joke? I can't wait for Blue Ivy to be old enough for R. Kelly to piss on her. Uh-huh. I hate this. I hate fighting with people. I just like saying something crazy and then leaving the room. Unless people like what I say. And then I stay in the room. I know. I've met you before. So, Rafer, some folks I've talked with have said, this show seems to be trying to carry the torch for Seinfeld. It's trying to center on some New York people who are mean, who only live in their own worlds, yeah. who, who only think about themselves. What, what do you think about that? This show seems much more like uh, either A, Sex and the City to me because of the New Yorkiness, because everything is a ex- extremely up-to-the-minute current New York celebrity culture reference. But also it seems very much like Entourage to me, even though that series was based in L.A. Uh, they're both about aspirational types uh, for whom celebrity, fame, and success is everything. Um, and, you know, whereas Entourage kind of was showing this flashy excess uh, ostentation, uh, difficult people is showing this kind of sad underbelly of, you know, <laughs> the people who are you know try, trying to put on little off-Broadway plays and, and launch these blogs and getting their plus one on, uh, you know, on the Simpsons after party, which I thought was funny. Julie, Julie Klausner is the, uh, the main actress, and she thinks she's been invited, but it turns out it was supposed to be Julie Kavanaugh, the actual <laughs> Simpsons cast member, and of course she's turned away at the door. Um, and you do have some little celebrity cameos here and there. Um, you have Gabrielle Sidibe, who is a regular on the show, a as a waitress who is very bitchy, but wholeheartedly fun. Yes. I think, I, I think she's great. Martin Andrea Short. Martin. Yeah, oh, Andrew yeah. Martin. Martin Short shows up. Um, so you, you do get these people, uh, Mark Shaman, uh, of all people, the uh, composer, uh, Broadway composer of Hairspray. Uh, so you do get these little these cameos that show up, which also reminds me a lot of Entourage. Um, I thought this was pretty funny and pretty spot on. I have to say, in some ways, it kind of cut a little too oh, close to the bone. Absolutely. I was cringing with self-recognition at certain points. There's the pledge drive for public broadcasting where you see a tote bag coming out, yes. and I was just hiding under my couch. I'm like, but oh, that is, that is a very funny, that's a and, very funny yeah. scene where, she's, where, where Julie Klausner says, oh, you know, umbrellas and tote bags. What kind of message does that send? I, I read a lot of books, and oh, I'm so glad it's raining. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. And, of course, they decide to do a, a, a public radio celebrity roast, which uh, goes sort of horribly. And there are these funny ideas in it and some very funny moments. Um, Billy Eichner and Julie Klausner, I think, are both very funny in, in the lead roles. Um, it, it is one of these shows that I, I don't know. Maybe if you live somewhere else, you might think it's funny. For me, I just felt like... Oh my God! When I get home, I want to. I, I want to stop that life. I, I'm so tired of being that person. I don't want to see an even worse version of myself on that show. Um, so I, I almost, I almost don't know how to review that objectively. It, it's, it, it's almost just like. You know, it, it's just, it's just like spending time amongst people that I already can't stand. <laughs> Do you know it's what I mean? Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Hold on. Do we sound like those two main characters sometimes? I, d- I don't know. But yeah, you're right. It's very funny. They they both go through this this little uh, uh, 
sort of crisis of faith where they're both talking about maybe we need to be nicer to celebrities. Maybe we have to stop saying so many mean things to celebrities because their words come back to bite them in the butt all the time. You know, when Martin Sh- when Martin Short shows up or when Mark Shaman shows up, he remembers the crappy things they said. Um, so I don't know. I I like it. I think it's funny. Uh, and I think it's a good idea. And it's a, it captures this world. But, I, you know, I'm in that goddamn world. I don't know how much more time I can spend there. I thought it was great. You I, like it. I laughed my head off. I mean, I do have to say, I watched all three episodes. They come out every week. Yeah. One a week, which is a different model than what the other, you know, uh, streaming services have been doing. The other streaming services kind of release all of them at once, and then right. you can binge watch them. This is coming out once a week. And I've watched all three episodes that have come out so far, and the first episode I was cringing so much. I just, <laughs> I couldn't really enjoy it fully, because I'm like, oh, God, it's like me. and Yeah. It's like me and everybody I know. It's horrible, and they're making fun of the moth. I have friends who do the moth. Right. It's making fun of people <laughs> right. who do open mics. I have friends who do open mics. I right. show up at these things. It's making fun of critics. We are critics. We are critics. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. But, and yet... Despite all that, I enjoyed it. It has such a wacky feel to it. Yes. It's so exaggerated and so over the top that it's hard for me not to, once I got over the cringing, it was hard for me not to just like laugh and laugh and laugh at how ridiculous it was. And really, it's putting a magnifying glass to our world and saying, your world is ridiculous. Speaking of unusual models, uh, why is Hulu showing me ads while I'm paying for a subscription service? Okay, is that the newspaper model where I buy the newspaper but I still get the ads? No, I just I, I object. Rayford, they have to make money somehow. I object. They may. I already gave them the money. Oh. I object. Oh. Anyway, okay. Moving on, Kristen. Let's go into the consulting room and do a little movie therapy. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! I love how you call it the consulting room. You like that? Because it could go a wrong direction if we use the wrong words there. That's very true. (laughs) No, it's just consulting people. It's not the operating room. No, it's not. God, that would be horrible. (laughs) Did you ever play that game Operation when you were a kid? Oh, I was so bad at it. (laughs) Just picking up those stupid tweezers, I would like make the go off. It gave me a real sense of anxiety. Yeah, me too. That game was not. I know. I did not like that game. It was very tough. All right. So what is our letter this week, Rafer? Anne wrote this to us. I am on a beach vacation, but rather than splashing in the sea... I'm sitting on the couch with my leg elevated because I injured myself on uneven sand. What a bummer. What should I watch? That is a bummer. <laughs> uneven a t- sand? But you know what, though? I mean, you, you hear that and you think, are you elderly, Anne? But no. No, it's true. At, I, I know. was at the beach recently and I had the same situation. I was like, I almost, I almost fell and broke my leg on that uneven sand. On you uneven know? sand. I'll yeah, be you know, you're walking into the water and you think like it's going to be a gradual drop mm. off. And then suddenly it's like, oh, no, I just fell a foot. It <laughs> depends on what beach you're at. You know, know. every that's, beach is different. That's never happened to me, but I'm from California. Maybe I have more expertise. I don't know. Oh, maybe. You like that? I like how, how I pulled that one on you? Okay. So what are our recommendations, Dr. Meinzer? All right. So you, you and I were discussing different beach-themed movies that'll make you happy either A, that you're on the couch instead of on the beach. Yeah. Or B, reveling in the beach that you'll get back to. That's that's a that's a good uh, a good idea, Kristen. So let's start off with the first one, rather obviously from two thousand, The Beach. Now this is based on a best-selling novel by Alex Garland, which I actually read while I was on the backpacking circuit in India, uh-huh. and, and constantly people were backpacking from India to Thailand and Thailand to India. Sure, it, the whole story takes place in Thailand amongst backpackers who are into surfing, who are into smoking pot, who are into just doing that whole thing. Hash, doing what they do. hash out hash, there. Hash, that's hash, right. Remember? Hash, Oh, hash. boy. Yes, that whole thing. But, of course, once they're in their beach paradise that they aspire to get to, 
things don't go very smoothly. It's a little bit more like Lord of the Flies than it is like King of the Hill. Here's a clip. I was the only one with the overview of how it all fitted together. The island. Me. Them. The invaders. All connected. I just loved that novel, and I loved oh. that movie when they came out. I had, I had already been on the backpacking circuit uh, several years before, and when the novel hit, I just thought, what a brilliant idea to do a thriller on the Thailand backpacking circuit and uh, and sort of capture the great way that um, it just it's it really captures the 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 talk and the one-upmanship uh, and the sort of the, all the mythical stories that are traded when you're on that trail. Oh, yeah, and making fun about, of the lonely oh, planet, and I was yeah. already here. And did you know that yeah. there's this hole in the wall? You probably don't know about it. Well, you know? I, sp- I spent a I spent a year in India. Oh, really? Well, I spent forty years in India. Every, everyone's everyone's everyone was everyone was somewhere longer than you were. It was oh, yeah. always. I hitchhiked uh. all month. I only had two dollars on me, and some <laughs> right. locals invited me into their hut. And, yeah, I lived with the Nepalese. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the movie is great, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the great Tilda Swinton in oh, that yes. movie. It's fantastic. Yes. So that's our first prescription for you, Anne. Our next prescription is showing another kind of vicious side of the beach. It's called Point Break. Here's a clip. There you go. Can't have you walking through those doors with your dick in your hand, right? I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows? You might like it. It's a killer rush. Buddy, this is your f***ing wake-up call, man. I am an FBI agent. I know, man. Isn't it wild? Well, that's the great Keanu Reeves and the great Patrick Swayze in Point Break. (laughs) Really one of the greatest films ever from 1991, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Just a brilliant piece of work about surfing bank robbers. And uh, Keanu Reeves plays a... FBI agent named, what else, Johnny Utah, yes. who's going to come in and try to uh, bring these uh, these surfing bank robbers with the presidential masks down. And uh, this is one of those action films. I don't, it, I, I just, you have to credit it to Catherine Bigelow's direction. I just think that the thing just hits you in the face over and over. It's so high octane, so high adrenaline. I just think it's fantastic. The dialogue is astoundingly just, I don't know, there's something so blunt force about it that I just love. For some reason, I always remember Keanu Reeves at the end saying, you're going down, Bodie. It's got to be that way. And I just thought, God, only Keanu Reeves could deliver that line and make me just believe it. Love that movie. Love that movie from start to finish. Yes. And Catherine Bigelow, a wonderful, wonderful path you paved there for Zero Dark Thirty. Yes, indeed. So our final movie. This could do one of two things for you. It could inspire you, Anne, to get well so you can go back out to that beach, to nostalgia, to friends, to all the good things on the beach. Or it could make you think, I don't want to go to the beach because I hate cancer and I hate my friends dying. <laughs> and I don't want Bette Midler singing The Wind Beneath My Wings oh, at my funeral. What, no, I don't. What movie no, don't. are you talking about, Kristen? <laughs> what is this movie? It's a little movie from 1988 called Beaches. Here's a clip. What's your name? What's my name? I am none other than a fantastic, world-famous, child wonder, C.C. Blue. <laughs> Ta-da! Hi, I'm Hillary Whitney. Don't you recognize me? No. 
I do a couple of routines in the Sammy Pinkus Kitty show. The what? Holy mackerel, kid. What planet do you live on? The punchline of a million masculine jokes about why women are horrible. Beaches. <laughs> yes, that's right. We love eating chocolate and having our periods. Isn't that like along with the same lines of the joke? All you guys out there, you guys hate beaches, don't you? Yeah, we, yeah. Who? Why, yeah, I would, I would never want to watch beaches. <laughs> Ever. Would it make you want to get back out to the beach, though? It would. So that you don't have to watch this movie <laughs> that, anymore? That it would. <laughs> But it's about great friendship. This friendship is formed, I think, back in the 1950s or 60s yeah. on the boardwalk, on the beaches. And these two best friends, the very elegant Barbara Hershey, very elegant, very well-to-do, very waspy almost. And, and then you have Bette Midler. You know who she is. I do. She's wacky. She's fun. She's that best friend who just takes up too much space. And she's always putting on a comedy show, but she's really got a heart of gold. She's, she's so exasperating. Yes. Yes, she is. But... She might just exasperate you right back to that beach out there, Anne. <laughs> Anywho, those are our prescriptions for your movie therapy question. And we, we hope that you take a couple of those and then feel better in the morning. Okay, Kristen. It's time for trivia. Ooh. So last week we had quite a stumper. Remind us of what that was, Rafer. Well, last week we'd been talking about Ricky and the Flash, starring Meryl Streep as a rock musician. And in her band, her guitarist was played by a real-life rock musician, Rick Springfield, who I thought was quite good, actually, in that film. Um, so that got us thinking about other rock stars who have gone into acting. Doesn't always work out that well. Works out for some, not for others. We picked one rock star who is in a movie. We played you this clip. So one more issue and we're wiped out. Yeah. Larry, you said yourself, it's not so bad to be poor. Hey, f*** you, Althea. You go be poor, okay? F*** me. Uh, I believe you're the one that got us into this debt in the first place. Listen, you think just because it's your birthday that you can be a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever hit me like that again. We asked you to name that rock musician and name that movie and listeners... You could not. Not a single one of you. Stumped you. you know, Stumped every single one of you. Is that my fault because I chose a clip that was too hard, Rafer? I don't know, Kristen. Too hard? I don't know. What's mm. the answer? Well, the answer is Courtney Love. And she is in The People versus Larry Flint. That's her and that's Woody Harrelson. He's, uh, right. playing, he's playing Larry Flint. She's playing Althea, his girlfriend. And, you know, I thought that was an obvious one. Maybe it was too obvious. I think it was the southernish accent, the kind of that kind of southerny Texasy accent that she's got that I just think kind of threw people. Can I also just say to people, if you didn't know this and the reason was cuz you didn't see the movie, I commend you cuz this is not a good movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. Don't you love those like okay, so the earliest scenes that Courtney Love is in with Woody Harrelson, Har Harrelson saying to her Honey, you don't look old enough to be in this place. You know you have to be 18 to be here. And then she, who looks like worn out 45-year-old at the time, she looks like she's a worn out 45-year-old. Yeah. She's like, I have my driver's license that says I'm about to turn 18 tomorrow. And you're like, no, you don't. You actually have a driver's license that says that you're about to get your AARP card. <laughs> Well, I thought it was a perfectly okay film. Oh, God. Right. Woody Harrelson is good in it. Yeah, he is. He is. All right. Well, Kristen, let's see if we can give uh, listeners a, a somewhat easier <laughs> trivia question this week. All right. Well, this week, in honor of Difficult People, that new Hulu series that has, you know, horrible people on it, bloggers, comedians, all the people who are trying to be famous, we started thinking about other movies 
that center on bloggers. So we thought of this movie. Here's a clip. I forgot to tell you. Do you know what Annabelle's doing now? Sarah told me. A blog. Of what? What do you mean of what? A blog of Annabelle. Of every thought that passes through her brain, her stupid, vapid, insipid... I could write a blog. I have thoughts. Ooh. We there have a blogger in that movie. There aren't that many movies about bloggers. There are more than you think, Rafer. Really? Yeah, there are a lot. But I'm not going to name them off right now. No, don't no, do no, it. No, 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 no. We'll let the listeners tell us what is that movie that centers on a blogger. If you know, give us a call. 5717 Movies. Or you can write to us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. Tell them where you're from. Straight out of Compton.